Welcome to A Medic's Mind. This is the second video podcast episode. So if you're just listening to this, you can head over to youtube.com and look for A Medic's Mind and uh, the podcast will be there if you prefer to watch it. Not sure why you would. I have a face for radio. I've always said that. And uh, and so here I am uh, being a voice slash face now, which I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Um, I got some griping to do today, folks, and uh, griping and mourning. Today is July sixth, and uh, July sixth is the very is a very influential day for me. It's a very important day for me. It's uh, a day that holds a lot of meaning and a lot of heft. And um, thirteen years ago doesn't seem all that long ago. When you say thirteen years out loud, it seems like a long time. But when you contextualize that thirteen years with, um with the experience of, of what happened to, to where we are now. I don't think that when you're talking in terms of grief, um, that the measurement in years is a valid unit of measurement. I don't think that it's, that's a thing. July 6th of 2008, uh, private Colin Wilmot, a medic from one field ambulance and a very dear friend of mine was killed while on mission in Afghanistan. And, I do my best each and every year since his passing to celebrate who he was as a person, celebrate his life, and uh, and try to do my best to honor him and uh, and do things that uh, bring um, bring awareness to who he was, to try and spread uh, stories of Colin so that people can learn about him. I've written about him on my blog. I've uh, I've talked about him on my podcast before. And, uh, and I'm going to do so again today. Um, and the griping comes in because there has, there's been something that I want to talk about, uh, with respect to, um, fallen heroes and remembering them and honoring them. And it seems like there's many areas, uh, where Canada as a collective, fails in that regard. The one, when I first went to the United States, when I first visited that country, uh, it was probably back in 2012, I believe. And, um, one of the first things that I noticed about being there was the patriotism and it was ubiquitous. It was everywhere. It was, you know, people wearing American regalia flags everywhere. People at sporting events standing, um, you know, unanimously with one another in, in, uh, respect of the flag and the, and the song and, uh, and basically the symbol of America. And I, I found that their patriotism towards their military was huge. And it was something that I felt was somewhat more relaxed and quiet out here in Canada. Not to say that there are not patriots out here and that we don't do that. We do. There's many people that do. Um, but on the sort of, uh, optic 
level. You know, when you look at America, they're very, they, sorry, they were, um, a very, uh, you know, pro self, um, country and, and there was nothing wrong with that. They were a very patriotic nation. And, uh, they had recognized their history and been through a lot to get to where they are and, and all these things. And I really loved that because, you know, coming from the military background, uh, I love Canada. Um, I love what it stands for. I love the entirety of the country and I, you know, the good and the bad, the flaws and the, and the successes. And, um, recently when you look at organizations like the Blue Jays, I'm going to call the Blue Jays out here, the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm calling you guys out. Uh, I think that, that you guys need to shake your heads. It's abhorrent what I'm seeing on social media right now, or maybe what I'm not seeing on social media right now. Um, and, uh, and I'll get into that, but that's why for me, it's important on these kind of days when, when we have these anniversaries of, of people like Colin, when they come around, it's important for me to, to, since I know him personally and, and knew him personally, it's important for me to tell stories about it. It's important for me to remind the world about him, to keep him alive for just a little bit longer, but also to remind people the kind of, the kind of individuals that we have here that are willing to sacrifice everything, even at such a young age as Colin was. And, and it's important to remember that and to be grateful for that. And there's not a day that goes by where I don't feel mournful and grateful at the same time when I think about Colin and Boomer and Starker and Turner and Atkins. You know, there's, there are so many days that go by where I could just get lost in the bustle of my own life, but I can't. I always take a moment to think about these individuals. And I think that on days like today, I have to, I have to tell you stories about them. So I will tell you a story about Wilmot and then I'll get in to roasting the Toronto Blue Jays. So here we are, episode 210 of the Emetics Mind podcast. Thank you very much for being here. Sincerely appreciate it. Uh, the story I want to tell you about Wilmot is, uh, is not the story of his death. Um, if you'd like to read about who he was in that regard and how he passed away, if you type in his name into Google, you will have a plethoric number of articles to read from and choose from. One of the biggest takeaways I think you could take from those articles is that he demanded to go overseas. It was what he wanted. It was his, um, it was his dream at that time. Oh, good. My phone just decided to play a video. Excellent. Good. Awesome. That was really shitty timing. It scared the crap out of me. Oh, man. Okay. Um, what, that was not fun. That was unexpected. Um, you know, and, uh, and it was who he was. It's, it's what he wanted to do. He demanded to go. He, uh, he worked very hard to make himself eligible for deployment, um, overseas. He was a brand new private into the unit and, uh, worked really hard to, to make sure that he was a valuable asset to, to the unit. And he was, he was invaluable. And, uh, when the time came, um, there are things that surround that that uh, that I've talked about in my book, and uh, so I don't really want to get too far into it here um, about how I feel about those things. But um, if you want to read more about him, just 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 Google him. Just search Colin Wilmot in uh, in Google, and you'll find stories about him, and you'll be able to to read about what kind of man he was. And um, I'm here to tell you an anecdote, a story that uh, about Colin that I um, remember 
and a story that uh, that makes me chuckle and laugh, um, and uh, and a story that makes me uh, love the guy even more. He's such an endearing individual, and uh, I'm going to tell it to you right now. So uh, I was in the army at this point, and uh, I'd gotten to know Wilmot pretty well. We were all kind of. Our group was kind of hanging out together, you know, my, the guys I went through basic training and medical school with, and then the guys that, uh, Wilmot had gone through, had amalgamated into our unit. And we were all kind of, uh, becoming, you know, cohesive and, and as a unit, cause we're all preparing to go overseas. We're all preparing for that deployment. And, uh, the thing about being in the military is that, you know, as much as you're a soldier, you have a life outside the army too. And my life was one that saw me in a toxic relationship with a, individual that was, uh, that was not good for me. It was not a good situation. It was a very terrible relationship, very poisonous relationship. And, uh, and I wasn't doing well. I mean, back then I I had not been through therapy. I had not figured out all of these traumas in my life. I had not figured out, uh, the stuff from my childhood and, and how that fed into my uh, willingness to be treated so poorly. Um, and, and allow myself to be treated so poorly, to have those insecurities of potentially standing up for myself and losing the relationship, having those things, uh, you know, they were, they were deeply impacted or, uh, motivated by things of, of my childhood. And I didn't know any of that. I had no idea. It wasn't until years of therapy, um, that I started to digest and realize these things. And so I was, I was struggling. I was struggling really, really hard, uh, to, you know, uh, maintain the level um, of professionalism that I was kind of known for at that time. And, uh, and so I was showing up late to work, which is a big no, no in the army. You don't just show up late. It's not, it's not the same as showing up late for, for a typical job. It's, uh, it is, it's a no, no, it's a chargeable offense. It is not a good thing. And uh, it was happening to me with more repetition than I would like. Uh, I was getting in trouble with my high, my senior NCOs. I was, um, there, there were so many different things, uh, happening to me at that time um, that were impacting me negatively. And it was all kind of surrounding my, uh, stressors with, with this relationship and wanting to be good in this relationship. And, uh, I'd spoken to Colin about it a bunch of times and he'd given me, you know, his advice. He'd given me, uh, things that he thinks or thought I should do. He, uh, he was pretty open about how he thought, you know, this woman was not right for me and didn't treat me very nicely and, and all this other very accurate stuff that I just wasn't willing to, to buy into at the time. And, uh, I showed up for work one morning and, uh, another, um, squad mate of mine was already in the, in the gun cage, as we call it. It was just kind of our seating area. It was the kind of areas where we got the orders in the morning, told what we were going to do, yada, yada, yada. And he's already sitting there. He's having a coffee and he sees me walking. He goes, Hannigan. And I said, yeah, he said, get over here. So I walk over and I pulls up a seat for me and I sit down. He goes, Wilmot. So Wilmot comes around. He goes, yeah. He goes, get in here. <laughs> so Wilmot comes easy, like, sit down. She says, Wilmot, tell Henny, tell Henny what you did last night with your girl. You tell him, you tell him what you did. And, uh, and so he goes, oh, okay. Yeah. And he goes, uh, you know, as you know, I've been dating so-and-so for quite some time. Yeah. He's like, we moved into an apartment together. I was like, yeah, you know, that's awesome. That's great. He goes, yeah. Well, last night I came home from work and, uh, that, that week we'd been out on the gun range quite a bit. So we were coming home late. We we're coming home like seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. It was long. 12 to 15 hour days long. Uh, like I said, we were preparing for deployment. So there's a lot of work involved with what, with what, uh, what we were doing and preparing for. And so he came home late and, um, he ended up discovering that the woman he was seeing 
was chatting with an ex-boyfriend in very um, unfavorable ways. And uh, there was pictures sent, things like that. It was, it was not a good situation for him. And, uh, and so Wilmot turned to this girl that he was dating at the time and he said, hey, you have two choices. And she goes, okay. He goes, yeah, either you pack up all your stuff right now in boxes and we load it into my car and I drive you to the airport and I'll buy you a ticket and you're going back, back out East where we're from and we're done. Or option number two, I pack up all your stuff, put you in the car, drive you to the airport, buy your ticket and send you back out East. <laughs> so this, neither of these options really suited this lady very much. And she was like, no, I don't want that. And he goes, well, okay, here's what's happening. So he drove to Tim Hortons. He grabbed a bunch of boxes. He comes back. He says, here's your boxes. And she wouldn't pack. And so he packed all of her stuff up, put her in the car and uh, drove off. And she wouldn't, she said, I'm not going to get on the plane. I'm not doing it. He said, okay. So he grabbed his stuff and he dumped it off at the Greyhound, went and bought a Greyhound ticket, handed her a ticket. He goes, I don't care what you do from here. I'm done. And he gets in his car and drives off and he goes home. And, uh, and I was, was kind of looking at him dumbfounded. I was like, what? And he goes, yeah. I was like, so you're done now. It's, it's over. He goes, yeah, it's, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm too busy, man. I'm preparing to go overseas. I, I, I don't have time for that. Nobody gets to disrespect. And I was like, wow. And so the other guy that called me in, his name was Mike. He puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, Henny, that's what you need to do. And Wilma goes, oh yeah, your situation. Yeah, totally do that. Totally just do that. Just get out of there. And uh, <laughs> the, just the... The, the, the casual nature of which he said that to me was something that I, I found rather amusing, found funny. And, uh, I, I obviously didn't take his advice, at least not as soon as I should have. Uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't leave until much, much later, um, which is, uh, unfortunate, but you know, things work out as they work out and now I'm here and, uh, and it is how it is. So that's one story of Colin, uh, and the kind of guy that he was, uh, hilarious, he was a hilarious guy and, uh, and a guy who knew what he wanted and knew what he would put up with and what he wouldn't put up with. And now is just, that's who he was. And, uh, and so that, if, you know, I think is worth remembering. And I think that is worth telling and that is worth sharing out into the ether and letting people know who, who these Canadians are that they may have never met. Um, you know, that, that do the things that they don't necessarily want to do. Uh, I'm talking about other Canadians, you know, there, there are people that stand, uh, in the darkness, ready to face the things that go bump in the night. And then there are those who are protected by it. And, uh, you know, Colin was definitely one of those guys who stood in the darkness, ready to confront those things that go bump in the night. And, and he did, he confronted them all the way up until his end. And, uh, for that, I will always be grateful and I will always be humbled to, uh, call him a friend and a brother. And I will always, always miss him. So Colin, my friend, here's to you today. Much love, and uh, yeah, I hope we see each other again soon sometime. And as a segue from that into why I want to light the Blue Jays up, uh, we live in weird times, man. We live in weird, weird times. I mean, politically speaking, you know, if you go on any social media, you are inundated with some political polarization and uh, media outlets and legacy media spins one story, then you have to go and uh, you get hit with uh, alternative medias that tell you the other side of a story or their side of the story, so on and so forth. And it's the truth generally resides somewhere in the middle uh, in most cases. 
And uh, and I came across something that I found deeply disturbing, and it was um, the Toronto Blue Jays. Okay, they're an organization. They are the Major Baseball or Major League Baseball franchise, and they represent Canada on that stage because Canada only has one Major League Baseball team, and that is the Toronto Blue Jays. They're famous throughout Canada and the United States. Um, you know, it's it's pretty rare to have that be the case, um, at least in the sporting world. And uh, and recently they've been taking to social media to uh, placate for special interest groups and uh, posting up uh, statuses about uh, our indigenous community and uh, the recent tragedies that are beginning to unfold and that their communities are are dealing with and that we as a nation are dealing with. And uh, they're also putting up uh, pride banners and, uh, you know, um, showing their support for the LGBTQ plus communities. And, None of that is bad. I think that is great. I actually fully support that. I support that because, like I said, they represent Canada on this kind of grand, at least North American stage, if not world stage. And uh, and so I support them doing that because, I mean, these these uh, demographics are, you know, part of their fan base. There are, there are LGBTQ plus that are fans of, of baseball and the Blue Jays and same thing within the indigenous community. And uh, because they represent Canada, um, you know, indirectly, uh, or sometimes even directly, they, I, I don't see it as being a bad thing that they do these things. Um, again, because it's coming from an organization, it's generally always for some sort of selfish purpose and gain. Uh, now that's, that's just business. That's how, that's how things work. It doesn't mean that they're not sincere when they do certain things. Um, that's not what I'm saying. However, however, this is where my gripe comes in. Toronto recently went through a tragedy where they lost a 31-year member of their police force. He was killed in direct action of a criminal who is now charged with first-degree murder because it was premeditated at this stage, alleged, uh, you know, for legal purposes, I have to say that. Um, and and that's the, the serious nature of this crime. We don't lose police officers every single day as a result of direct enemy action or direct criminal action. So this is big news. This is a huge thing. Plus it's a 31 year member, you know, a guy that's just out there doing his job, doing what he, what he wants to do and what he, what he's been doing for the past 31 years, protecting the citizens of Toronto. And he is struck down and killed and leaving behind a family, a grieving family. And collectively we as a nation should be mourning as well. But the Toronto Blue Jays have not made one mention of this police constable. They have not made one condolence email or tweet or whatever uh, social media platform they're using. They have not lowered their flags to half mass and had moments of silence before the game. And I find that despicable considering they use Toronto police constables as security at those games. It is completely disrespectful. And I personally believe the reason why they're not doing any of that is because it contradicts popular narrative that is in media today. You know, they're, they're doing all these special interest groups, uh, are placating for those special interest groups and advocating for those special interest groups, but they in turn can't do this because if they do now they're, they're going to have an uproar on Twitter and they're trying to do their very best to just keep the money flowing, keep the fans happy, keep the, the revenue coming in. And they are willing to disrespect wholly the Toronto police service. And I think that is abhorrent. I think it is despicable. I think it's disgusting. I think it is absolutely unforgivable and blue Jays. I think you should be ashamed of yourself. It's disgusting. Not even a mention of this police officer. 
This guy, 31 years, 31 years of defending and protecting the citizens of Toronto, doing things that people in your organization have no clue about, not a clue. And you're willing to just completely ignore the fact that this guy died in those duties while employing Toronto police service members to protect your interests at baseball games. It has nothing to do with the fans. It has to do with the fact that if something happens to the fans and there was no police there, you're liable. So you're using them as a liable or as a mitigation to liability. Disrespectful, absolutely, utterly disrespectful. I can't like, I am blown away at the level of disrespect that, that you guys are showing to the Toronto police service right now. And on that run, on that note, on that front, I would say to you, Toronto police, my heart aches for you. I am so sorry for your loss. And to that constable, I believe it's uh, detective. I think he was at 31. I, I don't actually know his, his proper rank. It's not here in front of me, uh, but I believe it was uh, constable James Northrup. Um, actually, you know what, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to search it up on the internet here. Give me a second. Let me look that up. Uh, Toronto police. Okay. So there's police members here. Um, 52 division. Yeah. Uh, Constable Jeffrey Northrup. Constable Jeffrey Northrup. 31 years, man, 31 years. He just shows up to go to work one day and, and he is, he's, he's run down by an individual whose name I will not say, because, uh, that's not who needs our, uh, that's not who needs our publicity right now. Um, but yeah, Toronto, uh, Toronto police, um, sincerest, sincerest apologies, um, to, to you on behalf of, uh, of the Canadians that are lacking and uh, a huge, huge, huge thank you for what you do uh, on behalf of myself, as well as all the Canadians that do support you. Because I, I, it's way more Canadians that support you and support what you do than the ones that don't. You just hear from the boisterous minority, and that's that's sadly that's who are uh, um, who are uh, people who are media and who are sporting uh, entities are listening to are the boisterous minority, and it's disgusting. It's stupid. Uh, should have really no place in this, uh, in this society, but it does, you know, I mean, I, okay, let me walk it back a bit. They're allowed their voice. They're allowed their say they're allowed their protestations, but, um, this, this stuff to just go out of your way to not mention it and to, to not pay homage to, to a police officer, absolutely disgusting and unforgivable. So, um, Blue Jays, you no longer have my support. Uh, not that that means anything to you. Um, I'm not boycotting you. Uh, I just have no interest in watching your games. I have no interest in buying your merchandise. I have no interest in in ever attending one of your games. Um, that's just a me personal. Uh, it's a personal thing on my end. Uh, I by no means advocate for boycotts. Um, I think everything is up for individual to- choice and decision making. And my individual choice and decision is to uh, give the uh the toronto blue jays the big middle finger um over their their blatant disrespect towards our men and women in law enforcement it's absolutely abhorrent uh no respect for it and it is it is actions like that that 
um, you know, allow for the passing of our heroes and the history of what they've done to go unread and un- unnoticed. And I refuse to let that happen. I refuse to let that happen for guys like Colin um, on, on the anniversary of his, of his passing and those of his ilk. I will always share stories. I will always talk about them and I'll always share with them uh, my experiences uh, that I've had with them with the world because they deserve that kind of respect. They deserve that kind of long-lasting uh, legacy and uh, and, ha- and to have their essence shared on days when those who are grieving for them uh, need just a little bit of compassion and uh, and self-compassion um, for, for what they're feeling. So um, that's, that's, that's it in a nutshell. I think that's, that's probably going to be where I'm going to end things off at, uh, Blue Jays. I'm deeply disappointed in you, disgusted by you actually. And, um, and to the, and to, to the rest of, uh, to the rest of you, Canada, um, if you have not heard of, uh, private column moment, I, I implore you to, uh, head over to Google or to whatever search engine you prefer and look up con, um, private column Wilmot and, uh, and read about him. Because it's, 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 uh, he lived, he lived an incredible life, albeit, uh, drastically short, but, uh, he was a great man and, um, and I was incredibly lucky to know him and to call him a friend and to think of him as a brother. So, well, Mott, I love you, brother. Be well, be safe. And, um, wherever you are, I will, uh, I'll see you someday. Take care, everybody. This is Matt from Medic's Mind. Journey with me in the mind of a medic Oh Journey with me in the mind of a medic Cause that's my everyday